What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it hanging today? Where are you at right now? I am in Port Hope, Michigan. Wow. Very nice. I see you got... a... Yeah, it is a small town in the thumb. Right in the thumb. Right in the thumb of that right mitten. In the thumb. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's... uh where my grandparents lived and uh my parents got a little like cottage type thing up here on the lake so i look right out above the computer that's like here on beautiful little spot nice i saw on twitter that your family has sold their farm yeah so that was a big deal so my grandparents passed away you know over the last couple of years and uh they had this you know this farm, right? That, that they yeah. lived on and, uh, and that they rented out the, the land to the acreage. And, um, you know, they're just, they're not around anymore. The family can't really, um, you know, keep it up. And so it was sold yesterday. And, uh, yeah, so there was a little bit of my childhood <laughs> gone, you know, I mean, it, it, it's fine. You know, it's, it's all happy memories and things like that, but it's yeah. just, uh, that that piece you know it's like when your parents sell your childhood house or something like that because i spent just a lot of years there so you have this kind of nostalgia for that uh, um, no i totally understand yeah so i, I could see you cool. being a farmer one day you know what i've been getting more and more into horticulture i could see you I just know. wearing overalls and nothing else <laughs> just farming well i mean i do that you know with my wife anyway right <laughs> I'm sure Anne is a big fan of the overalls look. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the secret, uh, it's one of the secret, you know, relationship kind of <laughs> outfits, right? Yeah, one of those secret things they don't tell you. Yeah, study up. <laughs> I uh, did you ever like wear overalls as a kid? Is like a cute outfit that your parents made for you? Nah, no. My brother, I think, had one pair of overalls. I feel like I own a pair of overalls but i just like never really wore them and they never you know when i was like real little i don't think i had any that my parents would dress me up in yeah i i definitely was a overall kid you know i definitely rocked those suckers that Um, oshkosh bagosh exactly (laughs) exactly no not really Uh, oh but you know it's a cute little overall kid in california so Good memories, good memories and overalls. Anything else going on in your, over the course of your week? How's being in Michigan? It's been pretty good. I really enjoy Michigan. I'm kind of sad because I'm all alone up here. You know, I <laughs> I went to the wedding on Saturday for a friend from high school. And then after that, I've just been self-isolating. I just actually got a COVID test today. Uh, they did the nose swab yeah and it was it was pretty horrible like yeah they get up in there i mean luckily the nurse was she had empathy like i think she was younger and so she like didn't make it any harder than it needed to be but (laughs) but i could really see it being kind of a traumatizing experience if you got that old jaded nurse that just like rammed the thing up there and like (laughs) kept it in there like a little bit too long because she was like okay the first one because they do one where it's an instant result and then they do one where it's they send it out to a lab so they're like okay we're going to do one for five seconds and then one for 10 seconds 
And then so the five second one and then she like counted really fast on the 10 second one. I was like, thank goodness. Like you're <laughs> such a legend. Like it was it was as good as that could have gone. But basically what it feels like is uh, I mean, it's like they take a nail and they they put it into your nose and it goes into that cavity like kind of, you know, I don't know, b- back where your nasal passage so I, I don't know too much about the anatomy they put of it where your face, nose goes it, yeah no but it like really goes back it's not like no, the I, inside I know, of I the know. nose it's like it's like all touching the way your brain your head yeah almost it, it does kind of feel like that so it's just really an uncomfortable thing and i can still kind of feel it you know it's one of those kind of experiences where you have it and it's it's hard to forget because it was so novel and so unique yeah um so i still i still kind of have that like like a little bit of just like I know it's my brain tricking me and that the nerves aren't actually like sensitive there, but I just like feel that energy right in my nose. Yeah. There's some dark auras around, you know, definitely some dark auras. Well, respect to you for like taking the proper precautions, right. And making sure that things are checking out. Um, so I'm assuming the instant test came back negative. How long is the, the lab test going to take? Um, I don't know, but I don't really have any symptoms aside from like, I, I just think some seasonal allergy things. Like, I'm getting seasonal allergies right now too. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I'm, I'm not, you know, kind of weighing that too hard. So we kind of said with uh, my roommate and, and my wife, like, okay, if you can take a test and you can get a result and that's, you know, 85% positive and you don't really show any symptoms for a week, then I'll go back home on Saturday. Yeah. So, Makes sense. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you're kind of, you know, sure. It could have been a false, negative and and you know my symptoms won't show up for another you know week or something but you know at this point you kind of have to just trust trust it yeah yeah for sure well i wish you all the best and uh, i'm sure Anne is eagerly awaiting your return for sure for sure (laughs) what uh what about you riley what what have you been up to uh not a whole lot this is a pretty chill weekend for me i had a really busy week um so I'm like managing a project and one of my team members was very sick last week, not with COVID thankfully. Um, yeah. and they're better now also thankfully, but I had to cover them for quite a few things last week. And so it made last week very hectic for me. Um, so I'm trying to recharge, I'm taking a day yeah. off next Monday. Um, just give myself an opportunity to rest and relax for a long weekend. Um, that's great. Yeah, I would have taken off this Friday, but I had some some things I needed to do on Friday specifically. So, it is yeah. what it is. You did manage to finish your Players Cup run. I did. Yeah, I really I really rushed through it last weekend. I don't know. I wasn't even really planning to get it all done last weekend. I was kind of yeah. planning to do like half of it. Um, but I just I just got really in the zone and I kept hitting the play button. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, they're all gone. Yeah, who knew 50 keys was was so few. Yeah. So, yeah, really, uh, I brought it home. Last week, I talked about how I'd only played the Cargo Melmetal for my eight keys, and the rest of the 42, I only played Picarom and no other deck. <laughs> That's awesome. Didn't change it once. I changed the list, like, twice, I think, but I didn't change the deck at all, um, mm. which goes to show to what we said over the last couple weeks is, like, don't get discouraged by the by the middle failures, right? Like, a, you know, a couple of bad tournaments in a row doesn't mean that the deck is failing you. Um, Cause I got to what I would consider to be a, a comfortable point total. Um, 
I got to 134 rep, which almost assuredly, I mean, good God, if that's not locked, I yeah, don't know no, what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I was like number three or two in the world at one point, uh, which was kind of cool. Yeah, we were we were talking about you trying to get to number one. Yeah, um, I was just shy of number one because the other guy who was, who was already ahead of me um, got like another win right when I finished my tournaments. So, gotcha. um, so I got to number two, um, and I was also like number three in the globe. With what there was one player in Latin America who was like 140, which was pretty insane. Wow. Um, you know, just shy of three points per per key or ticket or whatever you want yeah. to call them. Um, so that was pretty awesome for him. But overall, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was really successful, and Picaram really got me there. Um, I think especially on Saturday, uh, Picaram was still kind of on the low. Um, so I, I had a much smoother time. Sunday and Monday, when I finished up my keys, there was it didn't feel as smooth of a sailing, but um, okay. I still just stuck it out because I, I really liked the deck. I was yeah. kind of I was kind of like determined for myself to never play ADP throughout that. Um, and I didn't want to switch back to Lucario and Metal because... Um, I just, I saw fire like every tournament, so it just wasn't like a realistic choice for me. Granted, I did see some Lucario's win tournaments, um, like in my run, like I would lose Lucario in the finals every so often. Um, sure. Sure. And if, if anyone wants to get, yeah, it is, it is. I I did win against it a fair amount of time, but, um, and I was actually like, for a while I was thinking it might not be as bad as I thought because I had like a hundred percent win rate on it. Um, and then I just had couple of games where it like actually went according to Cario's plan. And it's like, yeah, no, this yeah. is a, uh... <laughs> well, I, I actually find the biggest problem against that deck is like where you are forced to discard too many energies early. I've had right. a few times well, with the deck where it's like, you know, you discard two or three on the opening hand. Cause you need to Dedenne to get your stuff out. And then, you know, they knock out a guy and then they save their GX attack for the end of the game and they right. you know, bump all the energy off. And then you're only hitting for, you know, 40 damage with your bolt-on or something like that so yeah well i had a very conservative approach to the matchup um where i would on i wouldn't use coco at all until i got hit with the gx attack i would only yeah. bolt-on and like i would basically make like really egregious turns to not discard energy and that worked that still works pretty well um yeah the problem was i was starting to run into a lot of the cardios that were also running crushing which is too much for pika um like, sure. if you're going to play Lucario specifically for Pika, Crushing is good. I don't think Crushing is, like, that good in Lucario in general. Um, sure. But specifically in that matchup, it's pretty rough. Um, so that was tough. And I started to run into more and more Lucarios that were going in very aggressively with Zacians, which is what you should do in the Pika matchup. Um, yes. Because what you really want to do is you want to KO the Bolt on the turn that it uses um, Electrify. And then mm-hmm. from there, you have like a really clear route where you can just whack a Pika twice and then KO whatever else on the board. Yeah, um, sure. And so what I noticed was the games that I was winning were the ones where I could electrify and flee. And the games I was losing is when I would electrify and immediately die. <laughs> so, Right, right. And that is that is really just a problem with Bolton is like uh, you don't have that survivability. Yeah, the big charm Josh. doesn't save it. it that's yeah. the worst part. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would probably be a significantly better matchup if Bolton had 210 HP. Yeah, you know, like it like would. leaps and bounds, just because you can survive that early aggression. Yeah. So 
it is what it is. Uh, if people are interested in like the actual specifics, I don't I don't have like a ton of details on every single game, but I did write out what every matchup was and whether it was a win or a loss. Um, and it's mm-hmm. on a Google Doc that's just on my Twitter, so you can go check that out if you're interested in like how things pan out. I think you get a pretty good sense of like generally how matchups went with that. Um, what was a matchup that you found just the most difficult? The most di- uh, the most difficult peek around was definitely Lucario and my metal. Um, outside of like niche fighting stuff, like I played against a Hitmonchan, that was uh, that sucked obviously. Like, <laughs> um, you know, like Santa Conda round one lost. Like, sure. they'll get your man, sure. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, I think Lucario was the hardest. Um, Mewtwo can be hard if they run um, the Latios, but even then, I didn't really find Mewtwo to be a problem. Um, sure. And I never, fa- I never had really any trouble with ADP. Um, the only games I felt like I was losing to ADP were ones where I was whiffing and they were just punishing me for it. Um, sure. I felt like if I was getting my game plan going, that I never really lost to them. Um, so I, I, I got to say it's Lucario on Metal. Otherwise, I felt pretty comfortable. Like I felt good against Fire Decks. I felt good against ADP. I felt decent against Mewtwo. Um, I felt generally comfortable against like random decks in the field um yeah. but lucario my battle always had me had me quivering i also felt very yeah. good in the mirror which isn't which obviously isn't a good matchup but i had yeah, an right. incredibly good win rate in the mirror oh, that's, <laughs> i mean that's really good like particularly if you think that that deck is gaining steam and gaining popularity then to just be able to find your routes to outplay in the mirror or just I don't know, find find it, you know, yeah. whatever it is and that and have that advantage in the mirrors. Outside so of that, much. I also want to point out Eternatus is a rough matchup. Um, and I think Eternatus is kind yes. of on the rise because Eternatus also is a very good Mewtwo matchup, um, which is yeah. also seemingly more popular than it used to be. Um, Eternatus is tough, yeah. but I think com- comparing like Eternatus versus Lucario, like Lucario is a very like consistent game plan um, that is so d- difficult to deal with. Whereas Eternatus, like, if you flip like a lucky hammerheads or you get a stamp Raichu off, um, or if they just whip a knockout, which like happens actually a, a fair amount of the time is like, they have a slow turn one, you full blitz yeah. and like they get 210 damage on the board or something. And it's like, right, okay, it's right. like, okay, I win now. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, so I, it turns matchup is scary and it like goes really fast. Like, you know, who's going to win that matchup really quickly. Usually, um, sure, sure. But I think Lucario is scarier because it's more reliable in the game plan that's already difficult for you. <laughs> sure, right. sure. Because the deck so does nothing. Let, you know. Let's talk about results as a whole. You kind of briefly mentioned you think that Eternatus is on the rise. Um, what are some other decks that you're kind of seeing in the metagame kind of go up or down? One, one thing that I want to say is that I've seen... Um, in terms of placements, just a general lack of Lucario Melmetal, that has been a deck that saw kind of this explosion, and then now I think has kind of settled back down. Um, You know, it won a tournament over the last week, uh, had some solid placements, but um, certainly there were other decks that that, uh, performed on the whole a little bit better than Lucario Melmetal. So what are some other decks that you're seeing in the metagame either do better than they did last week or maybe a little bit worse than they did last week yeah i still see a lot of lucario on my metal um 
but I think fire has gotten a lot more popular recently. I don't really know what's caused that because I don't think the fire decks are very good, to be honest. Um, like I don't like Scent of Scourge. I don't like the Greens Charizard. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what's caused that, but people are really about the fire decks, probably because Lucario Memetal, I guess. Um, so, but then it, so Lucario Memetal rises, people will get on their fire decks, just like we talked about Pokemon players love a counter deck. Um, and so Lucario Memetal kind of naturally breaks under that pressure. Um, mm-hmm. ADP actually had like, I don't know, ADP seems to ebb and flow. Like, I feel like I'll either see ADP three rounds of a tournament like all three or i will not encounter adp at all um and obviously it's like a little hyperbolized but i i feel like i'll see adp in streaky amounts um and i think people like come off and on the deck i think in general adp is on was on a little bit of a downturn as people were like very hot on pikaram um for a couple days there and then adp is definitely swung back up as you know azul's been playing it again uh it's gotten some Mm -hmm more tournaments under its belt over the last couple days so adp is definitely back in the limelight and really i mean it it, did it really go anywhere not really um but i i do think there's been a noticeable upswing in people playing adp and just kind of admitting like yeah this is like the gatekeeper Um, well and you you mentioned again that uh that pikaram into adp which i would have said was a pretty favorable matchup for pikaram especially you know with the hammers and the yell grunt if you're able to get one of those on the first turn yeah um but on the flip side now, I mean, we look at a list like Azul's and he's playing, you know, c- cards directly countering Pikaram. Uh, so uh, one card that I look at would be the Great Catcher. I mean, that was a thing that was generally in ADP list, but, you know, still worth mentioning for that matchup. And then the other one is Tool Scrapper to yeah. be able to get rid of the big charm on the Pikaram to be able to take a one shot with the Zacian. So those are both really important cards for the matchup and i think um you know that inclusion just needs to be said because yeah for um, sure you know because otherwise i think it's generally yeah favorable for pikaram but maybe now with those kind of text coming in particularly that tool scrapper i think uh is something that we should see in more adp lists to counter the rise in pikaram yeah tool scrapper is really good it's also good in like the lucario matchup um yeah so it feels like inexcusable not to play it at this point um but that's kind of like one of the beauties of ADP is it's such a, and we've we've harped on this, but ADP is such a simple archetype. There's only so, only a couple of cards you need in the core of ADP to make it work, and then you're really free to go ham with whatever you want. Um, you know, you can play crushings, you can play catchers, you can play great catcher and tool scrapper, you can play clay, you can play research. It's like the core is just so simple that you can basically make it work with anything else. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of ADP's like truest strengths is the deck itself is already so good and you're able to tailor it to fit what you're expecting to see. Um, you yep. see this manifest in other ways, like the melodic coming in and out of lists for Senti Scorch. I don't think the melodic's that good, uh, but that's like that's neither here nor there. It's the fact that you're able to play it at all right. is, <laughs> is a testament to like ADP sure. being really good. Um, sure. So, I mean, ADP obviously here to stay, really strong deck. Um, I think you have to respect Pikaram and Mewtwo, which have definitely been on the up, which have been decks that, you know, in a vacuum might have decent ADP matchups. Um, and playing those things to help mitigate that. Also, Azul, I think, played the Zigzagoon, which is super good in the Mewtwo matchup. Yes. Um, you know, all those things compound on each other and, you know, just continue to assert ADP's dominance on the format. Sure. Absolutely. 
So, you know, not going anywhere. But I, I will say, like, Pikaram Mewtwo definitely, like, don't inherently suffer from that. Like, they have a pretty good matchups against the rest of the field. Pikaram honestly feels kind of ADP-esque. Um, yeah. Except it's a little, it has more of a comeback element to it, I guess. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. ADP is more the aggressor and Pikaram is more like the defensive deck. Well, um, what I what I want to add to that, though, is Pikaram and ADP both, I think, are the decks that punish whiffs the hardest. Um, sure. So if you have like if you have like an unplayable start against Pikaram, Pikaram will just full blitz into you, put them on the active, and it's like, oh, <laughs> hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> this is where we're at right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. And ADP similarly will ultimate ray, um, and like you're just screwed after that. So, um, yeah. but. I do think in general, Pikaram is more defensive. So his ADP will try to aggressively take prizes. Pikaram will try and stack down to one prize, reset stamp, and paralyze with the Raichu. And, I mean, it's pretty hard to deal with that, <laughs> no matter what sure. your deck looks like. Yep, absolutely. Where do you think Eternatus fits in all this? Kind of the one deck that we have not really talked about too much. And um, I, I'd like to just mention it briefly. Um, have you played around with any Eternatus uh, I know Andrew Mahone recently released a Poison Eternatus list that he really enjoyed playing without Zigzagoons uh, favoring the Garbodor and Tox Croak line. Um, just general thoughts on Eternatus and what lists you should be playing. Yeah, I mean, I think Eternatus will always kind of have a place just because it does so much damage so quickly, in theory. Um, what, what you have to be careful with with Eternatus is decks can punish it really hard if they play like energy denial of any sort and you're not playing a way around that um mm -hmm. so like some people have played turbo patches which is kind of like a soft strategy right because you need to hit the turbo patch before you v max um and also you have to hit heads which is you know <laughs> yeah which i never do never never would i ever hit a heads um so it's just like eternus has those inherent flaws to it um, in addition to just being a little less consistent because of the fact that you can only play dark Pokemon, like you mm. can't have the Shaman Crobat turn that some of these decks can't, where you research Shaman Crobat, draw just like way too many cards. To, to, Dedenne, Dedenne. Or, but yes. Oh, sorry. Research Dedenne Crobat, the, the rats, yeah. man. Yeah, the rats, bro. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> so, um, so it doesn't have access to that power turn. Um, so it sometimes can get a little more caught in awkward hands, which is definitely sure. a flaw, especially if you're going for like the poison route. Um, and if you don't play sure. the poison route though, you like hard lose for sure to Azamazenta hitting the field, which is unfortunate. Um, yes. It's just, do I, so I think Eternus is good. Um, I think it has really good fire matchups. I think it's a good Mewtwo matchup. I think it's a above average Pikaram matchup. Um, but it's just a deck that has a lot of like, moving parts i guess you could say um, there's a lot mm -hmm. going on and if one of those cogs in the machine gets jammed then it just all falls apart really quickly um so yeah. it's not a deck that i'm like apt to play myself which i know is contradictory to like me being really high on eternatus early in the season um but i mean it just consistently like in general in pokemon consistently like basic simple decks will reign supreme and that's yeah that's what i would air to yeah yeah, I think, and I think that's kind of what we've seen uh, from the last week of play, where ADP and Pikaram being those just 
attach attack style decks um, without a ton of moving pieces. Obviously, every deck is going to play, you know, some kind of card where you know you want to sequence <laughs> it correctly. But um, those are just probably two of the more straightforward out of you know what we would consider to be viable tournament winning decks. And so, um, yeah, definitely speaks to what you just said there, where don't want to have too many things you know go wrong or have have uh, awkward starts yeah and especially like especially with awkward cards like eternus really struggles with awkward hands like if there's not a lot of cards that can play you can't just dene them away like crobat is inherently limited uh compared to dene where you can't always draw cards with crobat or a significant amount of them uh, so sometimes you're just like, well, I got a Crobat for one, and fine, two more Pokemon here. So, <laughs> which is just a physically impossible and b <laughs> unlikely to happen anyway, even if it was. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. right. So, right. It's scary, man. It's scary. Sure is. <laughs> Any final thoughts on uh, on the current metagame and uh, I guess Players Cup metagame? Yeah, I mean, I would say if I was to continue playing the Players Cup, like if I had keys. I would look at ADP, Mewtwo, and Picaron, the basic format decks that have a relatively simple strategy, do things very quickly, and get your games moving. Um, those, I think, pick your poison amongst those. They're all they all got pros and cons within them, um, but they're all incredibly strong. Will get you wins. Will get you those points. Um, and I would just continue to reemphasize like all the things that we talked about over the past couple weeks about the players cup don't get too discouraged when things happen um take every game as like a learning experience um you know if you lose what could you get out of that and even if it's like very minimal there's probably something that you could have got out of it Uh, i think always equipping that growth mindset is really important i had a couple of games where um i mean if i'm being like fully honest i got a couple games where i just wasn't playing my best and like either just wasn't paying full attention or just made a mistake that was just genuinely i didn't see the right route at the time um and i tried really hard to be aware of that and as someone who's like inclined to like rage at video games um like you know i'm one to be like ah what the heck man like he just always has everything like what is this stupid crap but yeah um but i think being willing to like take that step back and be like okay well actually i had a chance to do something different and i chose not to um Has, and it ended it, up punishing me in the end. And, and it did. I had a very distinct moment where I, I remember I greedily attached an energy and I couldn't move a Pokemon after that. And so I got hard punished and lost a game off of that. Um, just realizing like you have, you always have a factor in whether you win or lose, um, be it your deck choice, your deck like list um, or your in-game actions. So uh, try and try and be really cognizant of that have a good attitude though you know keep positive keep sticking with decks don't switch them around too much don't even switch the list too much once you get to a good list um and i think you will ultimately see the dividends pay out yeah yeah and for some of the listeners out here you know your players cup run might be over you might already know hey you know i finished with 60 you know 50 40 points i'm not really close to getting there but um you know, any advice that you would give to those players in terms of like trying to keep a good attitude about the about the players cup? Yeah. So I would say if it's looking grim or even if it's already over and you didn't get there, um, your value as a player isn't tied to the players cup. Uh, your value as a person 
for sure isn't tied to the Players Cup. Um, that's there's ultimately going to be a lot of variance in this, um, just by virtue of the best of one single limb completely random effectively tournaments like you have no idea what's coming your way you can't account for a meta besides like a really macro sense of what the meta looks like um so there's only so much you can do and like sometimes bad beats will get you in situations like that um i think there will be more players cups in the future in the future so if, if you're still interested in pursuing one like try and try and equip that growth mindset and head into the next one with a new perspective um or just try out some of these other online events. Like, really don't put too much stock into this inherently. Um, you know, put enough stock that, like, you are taking it seriously and doing what's right for you. Um, but at the end of the day, Pokemon's a game. We're trying to have fun. Um, I think the game is really fun. I, th- I think the decks are really fun. Um, so don't take that for granted either. Like, you know, we're all we're all on the same boat here, right? We're trying to do the same thing. We're just trying to have fun playing Pokemon cards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. And I mean, ultimately, only a select few will make it. So, and that's the intent. You know, it, that's the intent of you know, the design. Right, right. It's it's supposed to have a little bit of prestige to it. So, uh, you know, if it didn't happen for you this time, buckle up. Maybe there will be a next time. Probably there will be a next time. And uh, just keep upping your game with the just huge amount of online things that you can do. Um, and just continue to practice your deck building, continue to practice all the in-game play and uh, checking prizes and all that good stuff. Yeah, now more than ever is a great time to practically apply yourself. Uh, There's so many online events. There's so much content out there. Um, I think if you're looking to improve, JW made a video on this as well, this is the perfect time to do it. I think we're going to see an explosion of players if we ever come back to in-real-life tournaments. You think that all translate to in real life? I don't think it'll translate like one to one, but I not only do I think that we're going to see like just more players because we already saw that trajectory go pretty significantly up uh, over you know the last few seasons in terms of how many players do play the um, you know the game in real life, but I think we'll also see just the caliber of players increase across the board, and that is, I mean, that's also something like very real, you know. Um, people might be upset that they're doing poorly in the players cup, but they're comparing, um, you know, their opponents to people that they would see in like a, a, just a general PTCGO tournament, you know, where you could pretty much sleepwalk to the finals (laughs) of those ticketed tournaments. And that's just not the case with, um, you know, with the players cup. But I think, yeah, when we get back into real life stuff, like there's just going to be so many very, very on point, players just uh, i'm i'm kind of scared (laughs) in a sense but you're looking at all these people just like in the lab um you know getting their uh, earning their stripes as it were playing online and i think that'll really pay dividends when uh, no for sure events come back for sure i mean i i attribute like my own successes um and my own growth early on in my career to playing a lot online and really grinding it out um and i think a lot of players are just doing that by virtue of of what we have to do right now so it'll be really curious to see where we end up in a post-covid world you know will tournaments be significantly harder because people have just been really grinding it out for a year Mm -hmm. year plus who knows i'm excited to see who knows so i think this is a perfect time then 
to segue into the card of the week before we go into our next topic here. And so this week I was inspired um, by my loss to the Hitmonchan deck. And so I wanted to give Hitmonchan a time in the spotlight. So I won't give a shout out to Hit and Run Hitmonchan because the scars are too fresh. <laughs> so instead, True. I'll give a, hit, a shout out to Base Set Hitmonchan. And I think this will segue nice into our next topic as well. But way mm-hmm. back in the day, there was one deck that stood above them all and one card that defined the entire Pokemon trading card game. And that was Hitmonchan from Base Set. Which is funny because I, I feel like Hitmonchan is like not a, a especially significant Pokemon in like the grand scheme of things. Like, right. <laughs> right. like how many people? I, mean, I, I feel like whenever you have these Pokemon that are kind of like dual, dual Pokemon, because like, like Hitmonchan doesn't really go, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it doesn't exist on its own, right? It exists with Hitmonlee <laughs> and to a lesser extent Hitmontop. Um, but you just have those Pokemon, like it's not its own Pokemon really. Like yeah, it has to exist with the other one. And even even then, I think Hitmonlee and Top are both more popular than Hitmonchan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you disagree? Uh, maybe Hitmontop. I I feel like I would I would say that, but I don't know. I I like Hitmonchan. I always chose Hitmonchan. I feel like people like Hitmonlee better. I like Hitmonlee better. He's all stretchy. Uh, let us know. Let us know, guys. Yeah. Uh, when you comment on the on the uh, podcast in iTunes after you give us a five star <laughs> review, let us know. Nice plug. So. <laughs> Anyway, though, so Hitmonchan, not a terribly significant Pokemon in of its own right, but had a beast of a card in the base set. So 70 health, which at the time was monstrous. <laughs> I know it seems yeah. absurd by today's standards, but that's like a one energy attack that is 70 damage now. Um, but that was a lot. And for one energy, it did jab for 20, um, which at the time was a lot of damage for one energy one fighting energy and then for three energy it had special punch um and you never really attacked with special punch but you could if well you it was not i mean it was i mean it wasn't necessarily a lot of damage i for think for energy. i think for one energy yeah it was a lot uh for no downside especially i think well i think though you look at uh you look at just the prevalence of energy removal cards being what just absolutely gate kept any right well, two three four energy well attacks. yeah it was it did the most damage you could basically for one energy the simplest yeah. attack um it was on a basic which was also key and there was so much denial back then that like hip that's why i'm saying that like hitmonchan special punch for three energy was basically irrelevant because you were never special punching like right. <laughs> as soon as the second energy comes down you get super energy removal and they're both gone um so you were just jabbing away and entire decks were built around that concept. Um, so Electabuzz was another really good attacker uh, with very efficient attacks. Um, but it hit on Chan hit Electabuzz for weakness. And then later on it, when jungle came out, there was the Scyther, which resisted at the time that was minus 30. Um, so, and it had free retreat. And so Scyther came into the mix and it was just a whole array of these really strong basic Pokemon and Hitmonchan really is what the whole thing was formulated around, basically. Um, so it was really cool. Back then you saw a lot of crazy fighting-resistant Pokemon get played. Like Farfetch'd was one of them. Farfetch'd, the Farfetch'd card was so awful, honestly. Um, <laughs> it's really not a great card. But it was good by virtue of resisting Hitmonchan. Um, same thing with, like, 
they were to duo cards that were played um, with Fury Attack just because they resisted Hitmonchan. So it's cool how like Hitmonchan got that time in the in the limelight. That's one thing I really like about the trading card game is it can give relevance to Pokemon that wouldn't be relevant in the video game by itself. Um, sure. And I think you see that time and time again. Uh, Dedenne is like a good example of a Pokemon that's like doesn't do especially much in the video game besides being cute and is critical to the trading card game. Uh, sure. So I, I love that. I, I think that's one of my favorite things about the trading card game is any Pokemon could be given the spotlight. And I think hit, nothing nothing emphasized that better than base at Hitmonchan. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> So speaking of base set, though, I think there is another topic you wanted to hit on. Yeah, well, it has to do with a very controversial you YouTuber. Say that. <laughs> Logan Paul just recently opened a first edition base set booster box, among other things, I believe, in an effort to raise funds for charity. Raised over $130,000 for, uh, for charity via this live stream event where he opened these boxes and uh, he managed to pull you know, some pretty good things. Uh, I think he had that first edition Charizard and you know, it's been certainly the talk of not only the, you know, trading card game, but just general <laughs> Pokemon collectors as a whole. I mean, this is a pretty big deal to see somebody so big, you know, cause we really don't have aside from, I mean, Leonhardt is kind of the pioneer for Pokemon cards and he has, you know, a million subscribers. So like compared to some other YouTubers, like, you know, some of the other big YouTubers, like he, yeah. he certainly, um, uh, you know, to, to only, to be our only representative for Pokemon trading card game at a million, you know, compared to a lot of other things, you know, having other content creators that have all this clout, this following, come into the game that not really into the game, but at least into the collecting side right? Uh, is really very interesting. So how many subscribers does to, Logan Paul have? Do you know? Um, not off the top of my head. Did you fact check that for me? Go ahead and yeah, I'll, I'll go check that out. Um, also on the side, we saw logic. I think bought what a first edition Charizard. And that was pretty Logan cool. Paul has 22.4 million YouTube subscribers. Wow. A lot of people. <laughs> that is a lot of people that you know are now you know know that he likes pokemon yeah and i there was a pretty immediate like fallout to to logic and logan getting into the pokemon trading card game collecting um like the prices i'm pretty sure surged like right away as soon as this happened yeah <laughs> i have a friend on cards. twitter he said you know i bought a um, a base set graded card a first edition charizard that was like a nine or something he said like you know i bought it for 200 bucks and then he sh showed a screenshot and it was over four thousand dollars sold on you on uh, ebay Sheesh. and just amazing things like that where prices go up for those particularly those nostalgic cards you know the base yeah, the set charizard shadowless stuff the first edition yeah the charizards especially because charizard mm -hmm. people love their charizards um, but I, I mean, I don't know your thoughts, Riley, on kind of this new wave of of collectors, you know, Logan Paul and Logic being the two that we're kind of highlighting. Um, but certainly there will be more to come. I think this is just kind of the start of a bigger trend. I don't know how you feel about them, but I am kind of on board with it. I mean, Pokemon um, as a stock 
in essence kind of feels <laughs> a little bit dirty you know it kind of it always to me feels a little kind of grungy and grimy to talk about you know the dollar amounts of pokemon cards because yeah it's you know it's supposed to be this this thing for kids and uh you know it's just supposed to be kind of whimsical and and fanciful and and, and it really just a kid's thing but that's that's not true anymore. I mean, certainly we're well past that. You know, Pokemon has, <laughs> has created a global brand for themselves and appeals not just to kids. You know, it's, it certainly has done right, a obviously. great job. As yeah, two adult men might have make a podcast. <laughs> appealing, to, appealing to so many people. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of people coming into the market and, and maybe not even staying in the market for that long? Like Logan Paul could, has you know, certainly has gotten a lot of attention from this. And, and we know that just from interviews that he's given he he really does like to kind of manipulate his fan base for you know just trying to gather as many people to follow him as possible and i mean he said that in various podcasts about the ways and the methods that he goes about yeah. um you know using to try to generate some kind of interest in what he's doing and so even if he's only here for a second i mean i'm, I'm curious your thoughts do you think this is a good or a bad thing I mean, on the whole, it's probably going to be good for the game. Uh, there's more attention on it. You'll probably get more people who just wander into actually playing the game as a result. Um, I don't think, like, collectors really offer anything to, like, the actual game inherently besides, like, bringing yeah. money into it, like, the collector scene. But the collector scene is kind of disparate from, like, the actual playing scene. And, I mean, sometimes you could argue the collector scene would be harmful to the playing scene, like, if they buy out all product to get the Charizard and like sure. now it's un- unaccessible to people who need it. Um, sure. That all said, I think I think getting eyes on the game is generally good. Um, I think that it will bring a positive energy to the game. It'll reinvigorate people's opinions on Pokemon in general. It kind of kind of legitimizes it in some ways. Um, not that I think I think Pokemon's kind of graduated from its phase in the early two thousands where people's like, ah, oh, yeah, Pokemon. Like you're you're just a loser if you like Pokemon. That certainly is past. Um, yeah, but you know it re-adds like some legitimacy to the game. Um, I do think it sucks if you were a collector previously and you like you were holding out to buy a Charizard or something, and now it's uh, you know what is the word for fifty times? I don't know, <laughs> but it's fifty times in price. Uh, I feel for you. That is unfortunate. <laughs> sure. Um, and my personal opinions on like collecting scene aside i think i think it's good um i think there's a good thing being offered on the whole yeah it's kind of it's kind of interesting just how um perhaps undervalued these cards were for a long time i mean um that's the interesting thing about collectibles right is they don't really have any value it's just whatever people want to pay for them yeah yeah but it's you know i've been in the i've been in the game way longer than you have you know 10 years now and so (laughs) um just seeing where things were compared to where they are now and like i just wish that i had um that you had known right like the bitcoin phenomenon not that i had known but that i had reached. (laughs) okay mr bitcoin (laughs) reached i yeah that i had reached kind of a financial um place where i could have you know made a run at investing in some like we know that um you know, Otto and Andrew particularly have, you know, made some higher end 
card purchases with their Charizards and their various, you know, PSA graded cards. And uh, that was just never something, um, you know, I was able to get into as, you know, a lot of my money was going towards school or going towards, uh, you know, just even attending events and things like this. But, um, you know, it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, what could have been if you had bought, you know, those Charizards for what, you know, five years ago would have seen like an extraordinary amount, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever that number was, you know, certainly far less than what it is today. Just it's, it's quite, it's quite the, the thinker. Yeah. I will say one thing that's especially cool about like Pokemon collecting specifically is, is the fact that people are genuinely attached to the characters of Pokemon. So with like Yu-Gi-Oh and magic, um, I think Magic has a couple of standout, like, characters and cards that people get attached to. Um, But Pokemon, like, I mean, we specifically called out Charizard people earlier, and um, not even digging at them here is just, like, people are attached to the character of Charizard. Um, So Pokemon collectibles, I think, inherently have more staying power and more, like, compounding value because people actually like the thing on the card specifically and aren't just interested in it because it's cool or whatever. Um, And I think, yeah, that's another thing that is very interesting about the Pokemon trading card game is that, you know, Charizard itself is like a brand to itself. I don't know. Like (laughs) Pikachu is a brand to itself. It feels like, you know, Uh, yeah, Pikachu and Charizard are like the two and Mewtwo. Yeah, Like, like Uh, Mewtwo is a brand. Mew is a brand to itself. And so like, if you're a kid and you can't get your hands on, you know, the, the first edition or whatever, all the adults want, like there are, they still print these cards. Like they still print these Charizard cards. And like you open one from a pack that, you know, it's worth, you know, significantly less you know a buck or two but you're still like yeah you know i feel kind of a part of that you know and that i don't know to me that's that's like so fun yeah one thing i mean i personally enjoy like collecting pokemon in general like yeah on my own right like i have a pikachu and a pichu collection um, and a rowlet collection as well it's cool to like have that like rowlet's obviously been out for a very short amount of time um but it's cool to see like the cards evolve over time and like be a part of like that character's journey almost i don't know how else to describe it um i think that's something unique to collecting pokemon that other trading card games don't offer and i i do really like that part of it is the characters are part of it you know Um, yeah and and it's like it's a little bit different than sports cards too right because you have a sports card and this the the um player is limited to the you know seasons that they had right the seasons that they played the stats that they had um you know and then you know presumably they would have you know multiple different cards per each season but like it's very finite the amount of like poses that they can capture um the amount of you know stats they can put on the back but like with pokemon you can have new arts like we've just had in the last year we've had what would it have been like six new charizard arts so cool there's a lot of charizards like the possibilities are limitless you can put charizard on anything man it's just so cool charizard you put you can put that on anything and it's a money maker (laughs) put it on a skateboard man yeah someone's got to do that yeah somebody (laughs) should for sure (laughs) but then that's kind of it's kind of interesting too because then you can kind of um potentially try to figure out what the next brand is going to be 
<laughs> right? So you could say, okay, well, Charizard and the Pikachu, those are probably, you know, Mewtwo Mew, those are probably like the standouts from Gen 1. And then, you know, going into Gen 2, like you probably have Lugia. Umbreon, Togepi. Lugia, man, Lugia. Lugia, Ho-Oh, potentially. Lugia I don't I don't think Ho-Oh as much as Lugia. I know. Yeah. I never understood that. I always loved Ho-Oh way more. I, I, I think that I think the movie was part of it, maybe. Yeah, sure. But it's just interesting, like, what's going to be the next thing? You know, what's going to be the next just, like, I, nothing will ever top Charizard, assuredly, at, in terms of Pokemon card merchandise. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, uh, it, certainly there are things that people could be on the lookout in, like, future generations. Think... Like, oh, okay, this Pokemon card in 20 years, because it's part of this, you know, species, is going to be more highly valued than something <laughs> <Species>. else. <laughs> Isn't that what they're called? They're called species, right? Yeah, I mean, they're species of Pokemon. It's just funny to hear you like refer to them in that way as a species. Um, yeah. So, actually, I have, an, I have an interesting query for you. Um, what recently released, so Gen 7 or Gen 8 Pokemon, do you think will be the one that's like really nostalgic in 20 years? Um... I, my gut answer is toxicity just because of the interesting skateboard but I personally don't like it that much I honestly would have to say something like Dragapult Dragapult like that's that's pseudo legendary yeah people really like Dragapult I think it's a good candidate um, it's just a sleek design man I was also thinking like Tapu Coco would be pretty memorable looking <laughs> really okay. yeah I, th- I think people really like I like Coco a lot I think it's cool hmm like the tapus you think will be i think specifically coco i think specifically coco okay because it has kind of that it just very that kind of he's, tribal feel he's like sleeker he's bouncing around which is kind of fun yeah <laughs> like in the video mm-hmm. games he like hops back and forth um i don't know i could see coco i could also see like decidueye and cinderar um, being very fondly remembered okay yeah yeah incineroar could be cool um, well, Incineroar got smashed as well, right? I, so. I was going to say certainly there would be some tie-in, like any any time you have a uh, a character that can do kind of this crossover where it just makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly they get just more exposure and more people enjoying that. Um, and then you look at the anime. I haven't kept up too much with the anime, but certainly uh, something like you know Greninja, right? Ash's Greninja. Oh, for sure. That was a big thing. Ash Greninja was um, sick in the anime. The cards sucked. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, Greninja might be the perfect storm, where you have yeah. Anime. Well, I specifically said Gen Seven and Gen Eight because Greninja is like the obvious answer from Gen Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure, for sure. But uh, if you're looking, you know, just a shade earlier, I don't know what would be the comparable uh, Pokemon from Seven and Eight. Yeah, they haven't really they haven't put out a Greninja since. I feel like Greninja was just almost like designed to be so cool, <laughs> you know that's true that's true everybody loves ninjas i i just never understood the tongue thing like i feel like that should have disqualified it from being as cool as <laughs> i like it is. i like the tongue I don't know. you like the tongue really the tongue scarf yeah it's kind of cool he's a frog yeah i mean it makes sense but like it also it also is kind of weird i don't know it's like weird to imagine it in real life like having <laughs> but in the video game where it's like far away from me it's fine yeah what's that tongue do <laughs> like can you imagine like hugging your Greninja after a battle and like his tongue is just like right there 
Do, do you think it uses the tongue as an extra hand? Um, like to like pat you on the head, like it hugs you with its arms, and then it like pats I hope you on not. The head? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Man, I can't wait for. The, I mean, that's gonna be the coolest thing in twenty years when we have you know full virtual reality Pokemon. You think twenty years is all that we got left? Like until it happens? I mean, I think it could happen in ten years, probably when the computers are writing all the all the code. <laughs> And they're like self, self-replicating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be an exciting time for sure. I can't <laughs> wait to meet Charizard and Greninja in the virtual realm. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna, definitely gonna. Well, what would be your first digital Pokemon? Pichu. That's a good question. Pichu. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> you wouldn't want to go with something a little more off-brand. No. I was thinking like. Maybe I go for a Skrelp. I could go for a Skrelp. Yeah. <laughs> Skrelp is sick. Yeah, Skrelp's pretty cool. I love. I like a Shinx. I always really liked Luxray, too. Shinx was like my first ever shiny, which is cool. Uh, that's a good shiny. Yeah, it's nice and gold. Yeah. So. Well, I think we've reached the natural conclusion for today. So, JW, as we close out today, I have one question for you. Um. If you could have a collection just that has no it all monetary values removed from it, you can't sell it. If you could have a collection for one Pokemon, what would it be? Well, it's got to be Pikachu because then you can get the World Championship cards. <laughs> like those I mean those are so cool. Like they just they look and I again, the monetary value has something to do with that. Like I'm obviously going to be biased because they're all worth, you know, thousands of dollars but they just look fresh well let's say like any pokemon have like a comparable like level okay. of merch okay okay what would be that pokemon for me yeah, do you have what one you... that comes to mind i mean don't say pichu but do you have one that comes to mind um give me a give me a second to think i mean pichu is like my easy answer but yeah. <laughs> I would have to say, yeah, I mean, my favorite Pokemon is Dragonite, but I don't think that that, I don't think necessarily that Dragonite looks that good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, I, I do. He's I kinda, get it. He's kind of chunky. He's a little goofy. He's a little goofy. He's a little goofy looking. He's got the little, <laughs> you know, tentacle things coming out of his head. So it probably had to be something sick like Rayquaza or um, Kingdra. Ooh, Kingdra. Yeah. That's a Kingdra cool answer. Could be cool. That's a yeah. cool answer. Um, I think for me, I mean, Pichu I would take for sure, but excluding Pichu from the equation. Um, hmm. Rayquaza is a good answer. I think I think Metagross would be really sick. Ah, yeah. You know, Metagross is just a cool Pokemon. He is one of the sickest shinies. Uh, <laughs> he does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm agreeing. <laughs> I'm agreeing. Nice. Well... Thank you all so much for listening. Let us know on Twitter at Tag Team Pokemon what Pokemon that you would want to collect or you think deserves more merchandise. And we will catch you on the next time. Peace. See ya.